This episode is sponsored by Conjure Tea. I know I talk about Conjure Tea before every episode, but they're having a Valentine's Day sale that you do not want to miss. That sale also applies to their Baked by Conjure section, and given the company's founded by a pastry chef, I couldn't more highly recommend adding that to your tea order. My current favorite teas are Lunar and Golden Ticket. Lunar is pretty much a tea and an herbal sleep aid. I'm a notoriously bad sleeper, but I had it before bed last night and it really helped. I also love Golden Ticket, which is a turmeric-based tea that helps with joint stiffness and inflammation. Also, do you say turmeric or turmeric? Tweet us and let me know if I'm missing the mark. In the spirit of Valentine's Day, for a limited time, you can receive 20% off your purchase using promo code STEEP20 on ConjureTea.com. That includes all tea and pastries, so you don't want to miss this. That's promo code STEEP20 to get 20% off your purchase for a limited time at C-O-N-J-U-R-E-T-E-A.com. So you're going to wrap your cakes in saran wrap, pile them into the freezer. When they are rock hard, solid. <laughs> this feels sexual. Adrian, stick to the cakes. Okay? When they are rock hard. Uh, um, Adrian, I'm in a relationship, okay? <laughs> You know, I don't know if we fully talked about this tea, but I, at the beginning of the episodes, I talked to people about the tea. Okay. The tea that you're drinking right now is carrot cake. It's a bird and blend tea. Mm. It's a rooibos. So very fall vibes. It is fall vibes, right? Mm -hmm. It is absolutely wonderful. It's a rooibos tea. I think what gives it the fall vibes is it's got caramelized hazelnut in it. Damn. I know. For steepers at home, 200 degrees on this, and you can go for like six minutes. Really get into this carrot cake. It's oh my delicious. Gosh, this oversteep. tea can go for six minutes. You can oversteep this. I'm a coffee girl. I love a little tea, but I'm like really more on the coffee end of the spectrum. Thank you for joining us in tea land. Of course. I love tea land. Um, it's very cozy, very hugga. Oh my gosh. That, it, um, it's like that Dutch thing yeah, it's about- like a, a, Yeah, it means like coziness, mm. warmth. It, hugga is like very fall vibes, candles, blankets- you know, Ikea try, even though that's like the shitty version of it. Sure. They're going for hugga. So that's the opposite of chuggy. Yes, okay. exactly. Hugga's like warm, inviting. Maybe I think a little waspy mm. when I think of hugga. Which is Not tough. very Jewish. Someone asked me the other day if I was waspy and I'm like, considering I'm Jewish, I don't think I can be waspy. No, but you can like do waspy things, I guess, which would be like golf, like wear a tennis skirt. I mean, not you. No, I do wear tennis skirts. That's fine. Yeah, I love a good skirt. I have a funny thing to say. So I'm newly single and um, thank you so much. I just went to a wedding in Martha's Vineyard and I was on the, on my flight. I was like thinking about like, I wonder if there's going to be any single guys. And I was sure. like, it should be a rule that the bride gives the single girls a list of names of single people attending. We used to do that when I was single. Oh, really? hundred percent. I'll give you a really good example. I'll give you two different weddings. When I went to my buddy Baum's wedding, uh, about two weeks before I texted him on a group thread with the other guys that were single and said, what's the scoop on yeah. the wedding? And he didn't need any clarification. Honestly, yeah, you know, they know, everyone should know. Yeah. Meanwhile, when I was going to John's wedding, before I even asked, I was his best man. And John goes, listen, there's so many things I would want to do for you as my best man, but I hate to deliver the news that there's not a single, single woman Oof. at my wedding. 
Mm-hmm. So why go? Well, I was the best man. I didn't have a oh, choice. That's true. Also, I've never, ever had a wedding romance. Never had a wedding hookup. Never met a guy at a wedding. A part of me feels like it's from the movies. Excuse me, you have. What? <laughs> you I have. was looking at the ceiling. The ceiling is nice okay, in this room. Okay, maybe I don't have wedding charm. Maybe I'm just, you know. Here's the thing. I am not an expert at anything. I want to be clear. Anyone who's listening at home, I don't know anything. I'm not an expert. Okay. I think there are two kinds of men. Okay. I think there are across the room guys and there are conversation guys. Mm-hmm. I am very comfortable with the idea that I am a conversation guy. Yes. No girls looking at me across the room and going, who's that Jew? Yes. Like no and one's- I'm looking for an across the room guy. No doubt, no I doubt. typically like someone in the band at a wedding. No doubt, as we all do. <laughs> yeah. The other thing is I- I'm not the best, but I happen to be a pretty decent dancer. Okay. So knowing my strengths, I play to my strengths at the wedding. Right, right. right. I will go out, I will dance. I will see kind of who's paying attention. I will like start pulling those people onto the dance floor with me. And then once like I've kind of established something, then it's the Hail Mary. Right. Then the Hail Mary comes into play, which is you just go up, skip the pleasantries. Yeah. Say what you're about. Yeah. Say what's up. Let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, hey, you know, you don't have to be this blunt, but you can be like, like, hey, so were we going to make out now or did you want to have a few more drinks? (laughs) Like you just gotta- I'm already laughing. I'm so charmed. You gotta be bold. That's oh the thing. God. Because here's what's interesting. I'm gonna say that you to sh- someone. I am telling wedding. you it'll work. <laughs> I am telling you it'll work. Okay, I'm gonna do it. Because the interesting part about that is that number one, you're pulling away all the doubt right. and, and all the confusion about signal sending. Right. And it's less painful of a rejection. If they just go, no, you go, cool. I didn't waste any time. Yeah. I said then, what I was about. Then, they weren't interested. And you know what? Power to them. Right. You're the not you everyone's know. cup of tea. The quicker you know. No I pun feel intended. Like, <laughs> or very much pun intended. All the puns intended. Yeah. And by the You're way- You're giving me the tea yes. for wedding. Here's the other thing. Here's the other crazy thing. This is nuts. And people think this is weird about me. Obviously I'm in a relationship now. I'm like, I don't do this. But when I was single, my big play in Los Angeles, biggest play, I would ask women out in the daytime. Like ask them to hang out during the daytime no, or no. during the daytime you meet them and ask them out. I literally was at a, I was literally at a coffee bean, saw a cute girl, yeah. went up, struck up conversation. We talked for five minutes. I said, hey, I have to run, but I would love to maybe go on a walk, grab some ice cream sometime with you. How would you feel about that? And she was like, that'd be nice. And I was like, oh, cool. I was like, let's exchange numbers. Wow. Because the thing is during the daytime, you're not worrying about how drunk is this person? Yeah. Are they going to remember me? Right. Is what this are they weird? What trying are they trying to do? What are they at this yeah, bar for? Yeah, what are their for? plans for the night? Sure. Yeah. You don't have to worry about any of that. Mm-hmm. I did this multiple times and it always worked. Oh my gosh. Because that's the thing is you you pull out a lot of this weird ambiguity. Right, you're just getting to the heart of it and it kind of takes the the like embarrassment out of the whole situation. And it can people, make you laugh at it. And people have said, no, thank you. Yeah. The funniest thing is one, one woman said, no, thank you. And I go, honestly, probably the right call. <laughs> Like, I mean, great. Yeah. yeah. And she still probably felt good for being asked out. hundred percent. Yeah. How nice is that? Win, win. You make someone's day. Yeah. I love it. Do you not ever do that? You probably don't ask guys out at all. No, no, I don't. But I'm very, um, I love the apps. So like, I have no fear on the oh, apps. I don't care being for like, the apps. I, a lot of people don't care, but all of a sudden I'm like this witty, funny, like I know how to like go after what I want on an app, but then in person in LA, I, first of all, I'm not out. I met someone recently in Austin, a guy like 
in real life. I met Jess in Austin. Oh, there you go. I mean, it was just such a joy. And we danced and it was at a honky tonk. I don't even know what that is. Like a honky tonk's like an old school cowboy bar. You know what I mean? Yeah. They were doing line dancing. I was taking a line dancing class with my girlfriends. Oh, obviously. Yeah. And he was with a bachelor party and I was like dancing and feeling good. It was like one of the first few weeks I was single. And he like came out onto the dance floor and just like joined me. And then we went and grabbed a drink and he was from New York City and was worked in finance. And I was like, I'm getting married tomorrow. So Was there a smooch? There was not a smooch, but I thought I was going to see him in New York and he fucking ghosted me. So <gasps> end of story. Oh! <laughs> but I still really look fondly like back on that moment. And because it was a true life, like me cute and I'm okay. hundred percent. The other thing I will say, and this is disagreed by, with by some, I also really try not to kiss on the first date. Oh, I always kiss on the first date. It's like how I know I'm in. I avoid kissing someone if I don't feel like an attraction, which means I already shouldn't be going on a second date with them. Mm -hmm. Does that make any sense? 100%. And then by the time I'm on the second date with them, I'm like still thinking like, could I picture myself kissing them? I'm like, this is going nowhere fast. I should just like, you know, get the check. I just, oh, I almost yeah. like I have to kiss them in order to know like I want to kiss them. Otherwise I like hold out and feel anxiety about kissing them. And then we're already too far gone. What I will often, <laughs> well, I don't do this anymore, obviously, but what I sometimes would do back in the day, I would experiment with different things. But sometimes at the beginning of the day, I would say, I just want you to know, I'm not going to try and kiss you tonight. If that's something you want to do, you're welcome to do that, but I'm not going to try and do that. So I don't want you to feel any pressure as <laughs> oh, the date goes. that's nice. I like that. It makes them be like, but I kind of want you to. 100%. Oh, God. You've got the moves, uh, You know what's funny? I have no one to use them on. I, I love uh, this. I mean, you need a separate podcast for dating advice. Oh my gosh. You know what? What I did with Jess when we had our first date in Portland, I uh, when I saw her and saw her walk off the plane, I was like, oh my God, she's just as hot as she was in my memory. Yes. <laughs> And, uh, oh, I love that moment. And then um, we're, we're walking and we're like talking and joking or whatever. And I said, um, and when the, when the time is right, I'm going to kiss you. And I think we're both going to just feel <laughs> sparks. <laughs> but here's the thing about dating apps for you. Mm -hmm. And this gets to a lot of, I mean, I, I love so many things about you, but this is the thing about you is you have done enough things that on an app, you can find a lane with someone. So it's like, right. it's like, oh, this person's in entertainment. Oh, well, you know, uh, I've yeah. produced a lot of really cool things. Or this person's way out of entertainment. You could go, oh, you know, I'm a, a published photographer. And they're like, <laughs> oh, and you could go, oh, you don't like that, but you see they, they're a foodie. Oh, do you know I'm an incredible baker? <laughs> you have lanes. Right. The cake. So for listeners, I have a little side hustle cake business. Sweet AF. It's called Sweet AF. And I, I will say- the Instagram okay. is I am Sweet AF? Yes, I am Sweet AF. Uh -huh. And I the cakes are in my my profiles, my dating profiles. So like not pictures of the cake, but pictures of me with a cake. So people get the idea, oh, she's a baker. Oh, so it really strikes up conversation pretty easily. Everyone loves food. And if you don't love food, you shouldn't be talking to me, so. Well, I also just want to be clear for the people listening because I don't think everyone knows you. These are not just like, Oh, I like grabbed a box of cake mix. And I mean, like, these are like really, they're elaborate, they're beautiful, <laughs> um, incredibly delicious. And that's the other thing that I think about your baking, not to like rain compliments on you, but <laughs> I think that a lot of times the prettier a cake gets, the worse it tastes. Yeah. But yours are amazing. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what matters. I'm a foodie first and foremost. The, yeah. the, the design, I like design and I like making cakes look beautiful, but if it doesn't taste good, first of all, so many people who are my friends and in my circle, also in the entertainment business yeah. in which I work, 
They order cakes from me. I'm going to see them or I'm going to have a Zoom call with them in the morning. I can't be giving them some shitty cake. <laughs> so the only reason that you make good cakes is for that. Otherwise well, just, you'd want to- li- You know, I have to see these people face to face again. I, otherwise, I mean, that's not just that. I also like to eat my own cake. I, I freeze. So when you're like stacking up a cake, you want to like kind of shave off the top dome to make the cake flat. Okay. So I've seen you with I, your cake I, level. I, I call them scraps, okay? I mean, that's what most people would say. They're cake scraps because like they're not going to go in the cake, but you don't want to throw them away. Yeah. So I have freezer bags of cake scraps, chocolate, funfetti, lemon poppy seed. And whenever I'm, you know, need a little nosh, I've got my frozen cake scraps. Talk to me about that lemon poppy so seed So I'm eating scrap. my own cake, okay? Like- you know. Didn't you at one point, I don't know if you still do, but didn't you at one point have the perfect roommate? It was this this girl who like- I do still, yes. You do. She was the perfect roommate because like, she's great, super nice from what I understood. But she's also like, if you're like, oh, I have too many cake scraps in the freezer. You're like, hey, can you help me out? And she'll just like go through a bag. She'll go through a bag in like a day. It's actually kind of- very indulgent, but also but the she, same, she doesn't. She gives no fucks, right? But also, isn't she like? Is it, it doesn't not show? Like, isn't she? Still no, no, like she's an, just like absolutely fit, and it's nice because I, I'm trying to move out the food out of my house. There's so much. Yeah, you're like I've got too many scraps. My, too many. Well, what scraps. is what is what is her name? If, if you're allowed to her say her name's Elonda. Elonda. Yeah. So if you're like you're like oh, I've got too many scraps, Elonda, I need yeah. you in here. I've got two yeah. bags. They need to go out. Stat. And I tell you, she literally goes, yes. I. <laughs> Here's why I need her in my life. I am a golden retriever. So if it's in front of me, I'll eat it. Right. So I can't pick it a bag. Right. Like I'll eat the whole bag. Yeah. I have no self-control. Yeah. There was a time, this is a really embarrassing story. Justin, I went to dinner. I was very full. We then go to this cocktail bar um, called Old Lightning. It's in Venice. Okay. And they serve you these like cute little, like they put out a little thing of like, kind of like, it's not even mixed nuts. It's like, there's kind of like mixed nuts that also have like freeze dried corn in it. Like it's a weird thing. And uh, they put it out and I start nibbling on it. And Jess goes, what are you doing? Yeah. And I go, I don't know. She goes, you said you were so full. It was painful. And I said, yeah. And she goes, Stop that and just yeah. reaches and I mean, that, that sounds line. good. You got, I, I got to know what everything tastes like. That's the I bottom to, line. But I need to finish. Uh, uh, I think there are like some deep seated psychological issues yeah. I have for that. But like, yeah, I, I, I mean, this is not a therapy session. Always worth looking into. Always worth looking into. I love a therapy session. Well, I think that can lead us into our first segment. Are you ready for your first segment? I'm ready. It's called the newly friend game. Okay. So here's how it works. I'm going to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're not going to answer. We're both going to write down what we think your answer would be. Okay. And then we're going to flip our boards and see if we got it okay. right. And then I'm going to ask a question of myself and okay. we'll do the same thing. Okay. Was I'm that ready. cool? I'm ready. Okay. Here we go. We haven't gotten to a lot of your accomplishments yet. So people may not understand why I'm asking this. Okay. But a lot of people don't know this, but you you worked with The Lonely Island for a long time mm-hmm. and you produced uh, an absolutely incredible movie, Pop Star. Mm-hmm. Lonely Island was on SNL at one point. Yes. So other than that- Kind them, of a rap comedy group. Yes. If people know Andy Samberg, Guillermo yes. Ticcone, all the people, Akiva, I wouldn't want to leave them out. Yeah. Other than those three, uh-huh. and don't say it out loud, write it down. Other than those three, who is your favorite SNL cast member of all time? <laughs> other than that, it can't be someone that you've worked with or you okay. know. What if it's like a basic answer? It can be. Write it down. Okay. Don't tell All me. Right. Don't tell me. Okay. You're going to flip the board on three. Okay, I didn't circle one, but I have it's first your t- choice and second yeah. choice. Top okay. one, two, three. Oh, <gasps> it's Will Ferrell. Oh my God. It's yeah. Will Ferrell. It, it is Will Ferrell. It is. I mean, he is, come on. 
Will Ferrell. So the, the I, well, listen, I love Will. Yeah. Um, big, big fan. Yeah. I actually love him in dramatic roles, arguably more he than I even- He was also my second boss. You, oh the, yes, you yes. worked at Funny or Die. After, after the Lonely Island, I worked at Funny or Die for three and a half years and he owns Funny or Die. Did you work closely with him? Um, No, I think I've seen, I, he, like he did Christmas parties. He like, you know, came in and out, but, but no, if anything, I talked to his- agents more than I talked to him. I want to say your second choice, which I love. Okay. I loved your second choice is Kristen Wiig. Yes. Target Lurdy. I, uh, <laughs> I chose yours. I thought your second choice was going to be one of my favorites of all time, oh, which yeah. is Tina Fey. I mean. Love Tina Fey. Classic. I would argue that as far as writers go, not just SNL, but generally speaking, Tina Fey is probably one of my favorites. Oh, I mean, how just can you period. not? How can you not? Now my, now my, the favorite cast members that I chose, I did a slash. Okay. I said Phil Hartman. Okay. Slash Tim Meadows. Oh, Tim Meadows. I have a huge- I love Tim Meadows. I have a huge thing for people who can play. I think that playing the straight man is deceivingly difficult. Mm -hmm. I end up in that position a lot. I think it's a very hard thing to do. Yes. Some of the best straight men of SNL of all time are people like a Phil, like kind of utility players, mm -hmm. like a Phil Hartman, like a Tim Meadows, like Jason Sudeikis was yes. an incredible one. Mm -hmm. But you have all those people yeah. that play the straight man. And I think that Phil mm -hmm. Hartman, as far as he was able to play the straight man and the silly one. Yeah, that's very true. I, I admire him one time. There's a friend of mine. I don't know if you ever met her. Her name is Britt Belsheim. No. One time, Britt said to me, off the cuff, you know what I was thinking when I was watching you perform last night? I said, yeah. She goes, there's something about you. I can't pin it down. That kind of like reminds me of Phil Hartman. Mm. And I died. Yeah. I died. That's I was the like, ultimate compliment. I, I was like, what? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like dying. Because the, the the thing I've gotten a lot is Seth Meyers, but I'd never gotten ah, Phil. Yeah, well, I got that's that. good. Just kind of a look vibe situation. It's like a yeah. Jewy. Yeah, it's like, like a Jewy thing. Yeah. It's like, oh, you're a Jew too. You're like Seth Meyers. Yeah, I think- It's that, like when people tell me I look like Barbara Streisand. Do you get that a lot? I get Barbara Streisand and I get Sarah Jessica Parker, who's not Jewish. But I also think that Sarah Jessica Parker is just a tiny little- girl with like light brown hair. And I also think that the Jewish community, I don't want to speak for all of us, um, widely accept Sarah Jessica Parker yes, as one of she, our like, own. She's also a Broderick who I believe is a Jew. Is I Matthew Broderick know. a Jew? I actually don't know and really want to know. I love how I'm like, she's a Broderick. That's a Jew. She's, I love you. You sound like my mother. She's a Broderick. <laughs> yeah, Matthew. You're talking about Sarah, Matthew. Sarah, Jessica. She's a Broderick. <laughs> she's fine. She's a Broderick. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready for the next one. This is, this I, is. Well, first of all, we did well on that I mean, one. we crushed. Yeah. We're one for one right now. Okay, great. And we go two for two. We'll okay. See. We'll see. The question for me, what is my favorite? N no, yeah, <laughs> you know the answer to that. Okay. Had, for, for the listeners, I just mouthed ice cream and the answer <laughs> is clearly salt and straw. What is my favorite 90s slash early 2000s teen movie? Okay, you ready to flip your board? Yeah. One, two, three. Oh, oh, she's oh, like, oh okay, okay, okay. She, okay. So my number one was Ten Things I Hate About You, Adrian Guest, super bad. Which I which I was like, oh, is that early two thousands or not? Um, I think it I, is I think actually. It is. I think it is. And the second one we both had was She's All That. You know what's really funny is She's All That was my what I first came to mind. And I was I like, almost put that and then I put oh, you know, Ten Things I Hate About You instead. So close. I know. You know what though? This is where I'm gonna you give us one point five for two. Gut. Trust your gut. You got to trust your gut. Yeah. I'm 1.5 1. 1. for two. 1.5 for two. I think that's pretty good. I, yeah. Personally. I feel like we're on the level. I feel we, like we're on we the level. We are 100%. I do, I do like Superbad. What's interesting is though, if we're in that realm of movies, if we're thinking about Superbad, I call those the Apatows. And if we're yes. in that mode, my favorite undebatably is Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Oh, I love that Untouchable I just recently watched it on the plane. When you started 
working with the Lonely Island way back when. Yes. Well, actually, I guess before I get into that question, do you want to tell people how that all went down? You can do a short version, long yes. version, whatever you want. Um, I look like a child. Um, let's just tell the, the <laughs> listeners. And when I was like a 21 year old actress moving to LA, I played kids on television and I thought it was a huge bummer. (laughs) I was just like surrounded by young people that were like, you know, in their teens. And I was like trying to kind of like be a post-college like adult. And it just wasn't, it just, I was not vibing. And I was very stressed out about auditioning. But as you know, we all go to school for something and our promise ourselves, like I'm going to do this. This will be the reason all that, you know, money was spent in college. And then I was just very mad at myself for not being an actor. But eventually after a little bit of therapy, I decided I'm going to quit. You know, if it's meant to be, it'll come back to me. Sure. And she was like, pick a hobby, any hobby, because I didn't have any other hobbies. I was like full-time actor since I was in high school. So I picked cooking school. <laughs> so I went to cooking school And I also took photography classes. I went to cooking school. And when I was in cooking school, I was looking for a cooking job. And someone I knew was like, oh, there's a kitchen at this management company that manages actors and comedians and writers called Mosaic. And they are looking for someone to work in their kitchen. So I took this kitchen job, very little cooking involved. I mean, I was like buying cereals, filling up the cereal thing. Like I made like vats of oatmeal in the morning. I mean, I did like lunch spreads every day, which is incredible. They feed their their offices lunch. You're also famous for your overnight oats. I, I do a lovely overnight oats. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, yeah, and I did, a, I did a little spread every day. You know, you are the most Jewish, <laughs> but like not re- like you throw it in, you dabble. I throw it in, I throw it in. So I did a little spread every day, and I was there for three years. Oh um, wow! Because I started to love all the people there, sure. and I had never been around hilarious, funny people. I mean, the people. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. And it was in the same building as Soho House, so you know, Jason Manzukis would come up for like a sandwich and then go up to Soho House because he didn't have to pay for a sandwich from me. Oh <laughs> so, wow! So you know, and I got to meet all these wonderful. Wish I were repped there. And that's I know. How, yeah, get a free it, sandwich. It's a great, great place to, to be wrapped by. So I didn't know that, but I worked there in the kitchen and slowly but surely was surrounded by these incredible people and decided, okay, I need to like, you know, focus on finding something in this world. I don't know what it is. I didn't even know what producing was. I didn't know what I wanted. And so I just told everybody, I want to work for a funny person. I want to work for one of your clients. I'll either be a personal assistant or a PA. And I told them this for years. And I, at at some point started to feel like I'm going to stop telling everybody they must like get the idea and no one's ever going to call me. And then of course, by, you know, a twist of fate, the Lonely Island moved to LA and were represented by this company. And they were looking for a full-time PA that kind of did everything, a jack of all trades. I went in for it and I met them and, you know, it was very casual. They were like playing video games and interviewing me at the same time. That sounds like the one meeting I took there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then they hired me as their PA and we, you know, from that moment on, everything kind of changed. They took me in and and taught me, you know, they, they make a lot of their own stuff. So they're like, we're going to make a short. Like, can you go, you know, rent a camera? Can you go buy the, you know, the costumes? We're going to like make this room look like this. And I started doing it. And then I started going, kind of going everywhere with them and shooting stuff and, and meeting their friends. And while they were recording a comedy album, um, they had me help out. And I, you know, it was just a very simpatico situation. So they gave me my first shot in Hollywood. Mm. We stopped working together for a little bit because no one was sure what was going on. Like Andy didn't have Brooklyn Nine-Nine yet. They were still getting settled in LA. And about a year and a half later, they remembered our time together and called me in to 
be their full-time assistant for their new production company, which had an overall deal at the time at Fox. So I started as their like executive assistant, but I was the first hire for the company and for about three months worked by myself. So I was reading all the incoming dev. I was reading all the scripts. I was meeting all the, you know, agents just because, you know, they, they needed someone to take the load before they hired their, their big exec, which was Billy Rosenberg, who really taught me everything about development. And then I became a development executive. So if you look back on the experience there and you think about like the two to three projects that you feel were most impactful for you. Yeah. Not most impactful in the world, most yeah. impactful for you. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing pop stars in that list. I would say list. there's three. Okay, hit me. The first pitch I ever heard where I was like, I have to do this. I want to do this. I need to be a part of this was Pen15. You were in that pitch. Yes, I was in that pitch. I was in that room. I was a part of making the pilot. So the pilot presentation we made predated so much of what is exists now. Yeah. Um, but we had uh, money to make pilot presentations and we decided like we met Anna and Maya and they gave us this incredible pitch about eighth grade and all like, you know, all the things we remember about going to bar and bat mitzvahs in the yearbook and they showed these incredible pictures. And I just like, we knew we had to do it. And I think at the time it was, you know, three of us in a room, the three people that worked at the company and we decided we were going to do it. So that was like, you know, from that moment and then to now is kind of a really special thing to see, you know, to see billboards of Pen15. And I'm like, oh my God, I was in that room, you know, when the moment we heard it. So. Oh my gosh, that's incredible. I I didn't know that. I made Anna's baby shower cake. You know, they're still in my oh, life. So they're wonderful people. And it was a really good experience. And um, a hit show. And a hit show. Yeah. And then Popstar was huge. I mean, I was assisting at the time and the Lonely Island had decided they were going to write Popstar with Judd Apatow or for Judd Apatow as producer. And they were like, you can either come with us or you can stay at the production company and focus on the production company. They had always been my North Star. Wherever I went and they were standing, Good things happened. Mm. I learned something. So I came on as director's assistant and stepped away from the company a little bit to assist Akiva as director and work out of Judd Apatow's office. Sure. Um, so I was there for about a year doing that. You know, I was there while they wrote it. I was there while they, you know, cast it, shot it, every moment of post. And I mean, it was an unforgettable experience that taught me I want to be a producer. Like I, I didn't know what, what that was until I was a part of a huge production like that. And it was life-changing. And they made me a producer on on the movie halfway through because I just had, <laughs> I had no choice but to be extremely involved. But it was like the best lessons I could have ever learned were from being thrown into something. I didn't go to school for production. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. And that was school. I mean, that was school. So even, you know, when I'm sh- shooting something now or prepping something or casting something, Popstar was like, by far, the, it was college for me. You know? I remember seeing a test screening that you invited me to yes. of that. And I was like, I was like, oh, you know, like I like this and like, I like that. And this seemed a little off to me. And you go, we're cutting it. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, because of me, you go, no, we knew, I knew we were cutting that. Yeah. She's like, they didn't know we were cutting I that. I was there, you know, and also very lucky. I, you know, I always think of the Lonely Island guys as like my angels because yeah, they, yeah. not everybody takes their assistant everywhere. I was in the car with them. I literally drove with them, dropped my car off in the morning and drove with them in an SUV every day to set. I was really by their side. And because of that, I learned so much that I will never you know, that most people never experience because they let me be in the room. And it really taught me that moving forward, when I have people take people under my wing, I lose nothing by having someone hear my conversations, hear, you know, what we're doing and be able to help me. There's only something to gain. And there's always kind of been this vibe of like, you don't, you know, you haven't made it yet. You can't enter this really intense conversation we're having 
that I see that I just want nothing to do with because the reason I know so much and have learned so much and have been able to excel so quickly is because I was just always in the room, you know? That's incredible. Yeah, I feel very lucky. That's amazing. What was the third one? Talk about a show that no one really saw was Alone Together. It was on Freeform. I would say it was the a show where I experienced, I didn't have the best time, but oh, I, I was put on this show as a producer by myself for the pilot. So it was my first show on my own and it went very smoothly, <laughs> but the actors and I weren't <laughs> having the best time, but I yeah, also yeah. got to produce something by myself. And so I look back on that, even, you know, even some of the shows, of course, that you have like, you're like, oh my God, that was drama. It, they're such learning experiences. I also was grateful to have bosses that threw me into the ring and said, Adrian, you can handle a pilot on your own. You've got this. And yeah. they let me. And sometimes it was the worst of times. Sometimes it was the best of times, but I got to say my, I produced that pilot by myself. That's incredible. Know? Yeah. So I, I will always cherish that. And I look back at that as something that's mine because a lot of times in the business, like you have you throw your hand in something, you give a note here and there and you feel like, okay, I was a part of it. But those three shows were really the essential beginning of my career and then kind of gave me the confidence, which is super important in order to be like, I can do this. I've got this. And so that was when I decided I wanted to like package a show by myself. And that's when I d developed Bust Down with Chris Redd and Jack Knight, Langston Kerman and Sam Jay, because I felt like when I met them, I was like, these four people need a show. And maybe nobody believes me right now. They hadn't, you know, found yeah, success yeah, yeah. yet. But I felt the confidence and I had the chutzpah since we're on a Jewish gig. Oh my Lord. To go to my bosses and say, I really believe in this. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't have even known what to do with thinking somebody, these four people are funny. What do I do with them? You know, a few years prior. So yeah, a I lot of growth happened from just being in the room. It's so funny when you're like, they gave me the confidence to know I could do it. And while you're saying that, I might go, I don't have that confidence about anything. Um, no, you do. I know. Your I, whole job is schmoozing. I Everything do, about I do, you oh, is a schmoozer. Love a good got schmooze. the, talk about the dating advice. I can't do that. I'm giving dating advice to to you to you and <laughs> listeners. I'll I'll never meet. You well. have a podcast. I don't. That's confidence. I, listen, my <laughs> steepers are with me. Um, I want to talk about your photography because okay. I'm, I really want to talk about. Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the original project was because oh, you switched the name. Words with friends. It was. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And you switched it to my naked truth, but mm -hmm. words with friends was the original. Did words with friends in terms of the timing, and we'll touch on this in a yes. second, listeners, so you can understand what I'm talking about. Timing wise, was this before or after? I think it started mm -hmm. before Lonely Island mm -hmm. and then picked up again while you were at Funny or Die. Is that yes? Right? So talk about a little bit sort about of. that. So I had a blog while I was working in the kitchen at Mosaic. I was also taking photography classes, and I love taking pictures of people. And you take I, so many classes. You're the most educated individual I've ever met. Listen, it all happened after college because I had only learned one thing. And I, all of a sudden the world was my oyster when I realized like we can learn other things. We can do other things. You don't have to be one thing, Yeah. Um, which is kind of my whole shtick. But I was obsessed with quotes, even in college, like when Facebook came out, which really ages me. Yeah, I was going to say, boy. <laughs> I remember when Facebook first came out, it was called and it The says, Facebook. Like, wasn't, didn't it start with like, I am, or like there was a prompt at the top. But anyways, I would, yes, yes. But I would always ignore that and put in like a quote from like Walt Whitman or like, a you know, I was always like heartbroken in college. I loved the same boy for a really long time. So there's always like quotes that maybe he'd see or I'd lead to, whatever. Then I started collecting quotes and I be, kind of became obsessed with them. So when I was doing the photography classes, I wanted to start taking pictures of people 
And I thought, how can I combine quotes and people? And so at one night I had some girlfriends over and we were all sharing quotes and I was like, oh my gosh, well, now it doesn't seem innovative at all because we've seen a lot of pictures where you people have writing on them. So at the time, let's say I was the first one to do it because we have decided that. No, I decided it. <laughs> um, I was like, I'm going to write your quote that you chose that is meaningful to you for this moment in your life on you. So in 20 years, you can look back and go like, oh my God, it's funny I chose to say that or I chose to write that and you'll have a photo of it. And I wanted it to look like a Polaroid. So I did that with like my four friends and I posted it on Facebook and then people wrote me like, I want to do that. I want to, I like, I want to do that with my favorite quote. And so I would say like, okay, whatever, you can come over. So two or three people came over, we did it. Like the people who did it kind of turned it into what it was. And then people would reach out to me and say, I want to do this. I want to share. I have something I need to say. There were people who came out through it. There were people who made a promise to themselves. Thank God I was in therapy because people were coming to me and being like, you know, I haven't told anybody something. You know, I remember one woman's like, I don't think I'm in love with my husband anymore. I wanted to like commemorate a moment where I make a promise to myself. This is my favorite quote. It also goes back to a wonderful thing about being an actor is learning to listen. So I really kind of became a listener and then I would, take a picture. And it turned into so many people spreading the word. And I shot over 250 photos of people. Each session was an hour of talk, an hour of sharing quotes, you know, everyone taking notebooks to my house. And it became this intimate act where I met so many new people. Also people from my childhood reached out that I hadn't seen since I was a kid. There were just so many things that happened because of this little block that I had. And then once I started to kind of get into the Lonely Island of it all, I had to kind of choose one or the other. Eventually I was starting to take a little pictures here and there, but for the most part, I was like, oh, I want to be a producer. You know, not, this is not time for the blog. So I worked for the Lonely Island. We started the production company. I was with them for four more years and I was starting to feel a little restless. Like I was ready for the next thing. You know, I always felt like their little sister at this point. And I was starting to feel like an executive and I wanted a new job. And I decided I was going to take a little break from working at the company and try to go out there and really get a job on my own. And at the same time as I was contemplating that, a publisher reached out and asked me if I wanted to make a coffee table book of my blog from four years ago. Yeah, they do that. I get that twice a day. (laughs) And I thought, oh my gosh, this is the craziest thing. You know, how things come back around and why we should all just always be putting our shit out into the universe. And so I said, you know what? I would love to turn this into a coffee table book, but I didn't store the photos properly. I don't even know where the fuck they are. And the publisher, yes. And the publisher said- well, why don't you do it again? And now I had this whole job experience. I was in a new moment in my life where I felt lost again. And I went back to doing Words with Friends. And I did it in New York City in LA and I shot 200 people. That's insane. And this was only just a few years ago. And the timing of it was insane. And I got to see old friends and meet new people and turn it into a book. The reason why it's not called Words with Friends as you can imagine. Yeah, I don't think anyone needs to know. (laughs) It's now called My Naked Truth. You can get it at Barnes and Noble. I was going to say, plug that book, girl. Plug that book. You can get it at Barnes and Noble. You can get it on Amazon. Um, It's a really, you know, I haven't looked at it in a while. It came out in 2018. And now I just looked at it again and I'm in a new place in my life, the pandemic. You know, I had some loss. I had some change and I went back through it. And like every other page is someone actually sharing why they shared what they shared. So I'm, it's basically a book of advice from, you know, 150 people. And I just reread it and was like, I needed this. So I feel so lucky that it exists. You know, maybe not a lot of people bought it, but 
I've got a book with my name on it. First it, of all, it was very cathartic for me. I bought it <laughs> yes, and I have did. it. Um, <laughs> number two, this is a very weird story I've always wanted to tell you. And okay. then we're going to move into our second segment, but I do want to tell you this story. My friend, I'm not going to name him because I don't want to put him out. My friend was going through a very particularly hard breakup. Mm-hmm. It was prolonged for reasons I won't get into because I don't want to reveal some identities, but it was a prolonged okay. breakup and it was really not good. He comes out to LA. And I don't remember the reason he was here, but he stayed with me for, I believe, just one night. And what you may not know, I don't know if you ever saw this. I used to have your book on my coffee table. The only reason I don't have it on the coffee table now is because we've been cleaning up a lot of stuff. I know exactly where your book is. It's right there on my bookshelf upstairs. Mm. However, it was on my coffee table. Mm. We had, I'm going to give you more information than you need. We had a very silly night where um, we were both going, I was going through a breakup and he was going through a breakup. We were both very sad. We were drinking arguably too much, (laughs) too much whiskey and uh, we're drinking rye and um, too much. He said, I just want to watch a movie. I said, you pick any movie, any movie. I'm going to watch it with you. So I have a list I keep on my phone of about 250 some odd movies that I've always wanted to see that I haven't seen. And I always add to it. He looks at the list and let me tell you something. There's some joints on there. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. He picks the movie Frozen. Frozen's a bop. Uh, Yeah, 100%. (laughs) I go, I go, I go, Frozen? He goes, we are two single men going through heartbreak, drinking whiskey. I want to watch Frozen. I'm not exaggerating when I say we watched it twice that night. Oh, watched it all I mean, the way through twice. It. Had it you started, seen it before? No. Oh, it's incredible. It started to replay, and we just let it, and um, we just let it go. I love and you. Um, you're no welcome. Pun intended. You are so 100 uh, percent intended. Uh, you're all welcome. The next morning, I, you know, I'm pretty hungover. I wake up and I walk out into the living room, and he is three quarters of the way through your book <laughs> on the couch, and I go, "Morning, buddy." And he looks up and he goes, "What is this?" And I go, um, I was like, my friend Adrian's done a bajillion things. In this case, she's a photographer and an author and she put this book out. And he goes, I needed this. Oh, I, I like, love that. I was like, you know, yeah. I was like, you know. There's some good stuff yeah, in there. Give it a read and, uh, you know, just make sure you don't don't take it away from me. It's, it is mine. Yeah. I was like, but, you know, uh, good luck. But yeah, it was very, it was a very big moment. I never told you that, but that was, wow, uh, yeah. That's I a love true story. that. I mean, yeah, there's a ton of advice in it. And what I kind of like too, it's like, it's not a, a book where I write advice. It's a book where like the best of the best write advice. And then the people who really needed that advice share what, you know, what moved them the most. Yeah. So, and then in a weird way, it shows how we're all connected. Even advice that I don't need today also can mean something to me. A hundred percent. We're not alone in, you know, there are so many people I meet that just feel so alone in what they're going through. And I'm like, I've met so many people, like no one's that unique in what they're going through. We should bond on like, you know, the fact that being a human is fucking hard. And, you know. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. And the more we converse about it, the better, but sometimes it's hard, especially in this world where we're like all on social media, we're all not having that many deep conversations anymore, especially like Mm. across a table from each other, you know, and asking someone, how are you? How's your day going? I'm the first to maybe sometimes skip that because I'm just like in my shit and trying to get my day, you know, over with and don't want to like get in it with someone who maybe seems sad, but like, you don't know how cathartic that can be for you too. And how much you can grow from like asking people how they are. So I feel like that was the one big thing I learned from the book. I don't think I'll do more books. It was like a really incredible experience, but you know, I'm on to the next. Good. (laughs) I'm on to the next. Um, So let me ask you that. That brings us to our second segment. The second segment is called Teach Me Something. Okay. It can be anything you want. A lot of people say that I, I speak more than I know. So I try and bring someone in who can teach me something. Okay. It can be 10 seconds. It can be 10 minutes, preferably not 10 minutes because I don't have an attention span for that. Okay. So if you're going to make a layer cake, oh, <laughs> you're going to make a layer cake and you're going to frost it. 
you know, the biggest- Well, why wouldn't you? Yeah, you want to frost your layer cakes. The biggest mistake people make is they don't A, do a crumb coat, which I'll teach you about in a sec if you don't know what a crumb coat We're is. We're going to need guy education. <laughs> and here. B, freeze their layers before they ice. You got to do it, okay? So what you're going to want to do- I just want to tell you this. I've been telling Lucas that for months and he doesn't do it. He doesn't do it. So what you're going to want to do when your cakes come out of the oven sure. is you're going to let them get somewhat room temperature, not fully room temperature because you want a nice steam when you wrap it so it gets moist in the freezer. So you're going to wrap your cakes in saran wrap. I never knew that's what makes it Pile moist. them into the freezer. When they are rock hard solid, <laughs> this feels sexual. Adrian, stick to the cakes. Okay? When they are rock hard. Uh, um, Adrian, I'm in a relationship, okay? Make your cakes the day before you're going to ice them. You don't want to like do it all in one day. You don't want to ice us a warm cake as we've all seen in British Bake Off. Have we? It's all? not good. <laughs> Bake Off is a very soothing show to watch for people with anxiety. Highly suggest. Mm, I'm, I'm ready. Um, so you want to freeze your cakes. You want to make them the day before. So when you're going to ice your cake for your friend's birthday, all you're doing is pulling those rock hard cakes out of the freezer. <laughs> cakes never felt so sexual, yeah. <laughs> out of the freezer, you've got your buttercream, you put out your, your hard cakes. Next piece of advice, soak them with milk and with milk that has vanilla in it. You put a little brush into a little cup that has vanilla and milk in it and run that brush over your cake. Your cake, while it's iced and now sitting, will be also seeped in a little bit of extra moisture. People get dry cakes. This keeps them I not like dry. dry cakes. Can you do it with an alt milk or does it have to be a milk milk? Yeah, alt milk is fine. I love, can, I love it, oat It's milk. about moisture. <laughs> is that bad? Should I have said that? No, what? no, I was laughing because I said moisture, which makes me think of sex again. What is, my Lord, you need to, we need to send you to a wedding with single guys. Get this out of your I system. I know, I mean, I got to look at my books and see yeah, what's the, coming the up. The next movie she produces is not going to be viewable by a lot of the public. So then you've got your hard cakes you've got that are moisturized <laughs> with the with the This cakes. is the horniest baking <laughs> advice I ever got. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I've never compared cakes to sex, but it is I am feeling very warm. <laughs> um okay, so what you want to do so you don't get crumbs in that icing, which we've all seen when our friends try to make us a birthday yes, cake. Yes, yeah, I have. Yeah. You do a thin layer of your buttercream. You do your, your, you layer your cakes and you do a thin layer around, okay? That thin layer of buttercream is gonna grab all of the crumminess and you can let the crumbs fly with this thin layer of buttercream because it's gonna catch it and it'll be like a crummy looking buttercream coat. Then you're gonna pop it in the fridge for 20 minutes and when you take it out, you've got a hard cake that you're now going to ice and there will be no crumbs in your icing. Here's what's interesting. <laughs> I am fascinated by everything you just said. And Okay. And he just showed me, I'm just going to order from you. Um, <laughs> oh, because I was just like, why would anyone order a cake after I just told them the, this key? Oh, because I don't want to do all that. <laughs> Here's my thing about you that I think is really interesting. So you're a baker, you're a producer, you're a published photographer. Mm -hmm. You've done all of these things. In my opinion, you can disagree. You've been wildly successful in all three. Is there a recipe for that success or any advice you'd give to listeners who are like even trying one thing that maybe you've picked up on and being in three different realms and succeeding in all of them. Okay, this is gonna be a weird thing to say, but I don't think so. I would say like, don't be weird. 
Oh. Don't make people uncomfortable. Make people feel good and happy around you. Don't try too hard. You want to be a chill hang. Yeah, well. Okay. We know. I think that's how, when I think about how it all started, when I started working for the Lonely Island, I didn't kind of give a shit about them, which made me a chill hang because mm. I wasn't dying to be in the room. Right. All of a sudden they're like, this chicken hang, she doesn't care. Like showing that like, I'm just here to be present and have fun. And I promise you what will come of it is coming. Mm. You know what I mean? Because people who are great want to help people who are great. So if you did a great job on their production, they're going to be at the rap party being like, what's your deal? I want to see you again. This was so much fun. You're the best person to work with. And then when they hire you on their next show and then they're like, let's grab dinner after, you know, after the shoot today, then you can be like, I'm a writer. I'm an actor. I da da. You know, like the ability to hang, the ability to not be too much of a tryhard, but just be a hard worker who, who doesn't, you know, I think a lot of young people now too, like don't even understand the idea of like working 24 seven and putting in that time. Like we all have all these boundaries, but I do think sometimes like challenge yourself to be like, I am really tired, but I am going to get that extra cup of coffee for someone who knows what that will mean. And so mm. we all have to f- remember, like these things mean something, even if you don't even get a thing. Thank you. You know? Sometimes like I will talk to assistants who are like, I did this, that, and the other, and they didn't thank me. And I'm like, but this stuff is logged, you know? And even when you work for crappy people, if you give them a good attitude and you don't roll your eyes at them and you do what they ask, that person will still recommend you for the next job. So I just really say like, be a good person. At the end of the day, for all of those things, people want to be around me because I can hang. I'm a chill hang. And comedians like it because I'm a chill hang. And also Lonely Island kind of taught me to be one. But some people you meet and you're like, all you need to know is like, you've got it. We all know, you know, know it in, inside your heart and, and bet on yourself. You know, I think that's really hard for us all. It's like, I want you to know how great I am, but I know how great you are just from having a conversation with you about ice cream, you know, <laughs> seriously. Sorry if I went on a rant. No, but I will tell you, I don't think we're going to get anything better than that. Um, <laughs> I think we just jump right into the lightning round. I, I feel like, I mean, Okay. Uh, yeah, that was inc- that was amazing. Okay, great. That's pretty much the billboard for our <laughs> podcast, I think. All right, we're in the lightning round. Five questions. Questions are short. Your answers don't have to be. It's kind of okay. up to you. Question one, what is a favorite ritual of yours? Mine is making tea. Mine is making my morning cup of pour over. Ooh, lovely. Wouldn't miss it for the world. Do you have a gooseneck uh, kettle? Oh, of course I do, honey. Of course you do. <laughs> You know, when someone calls you honey, they're like, don't screw with me. Um, question two, do you have a running bit with a friend or partner that makes you laugh? I mean, I feel like I have a lot of running bits with all my girlfriends. Yeah, I was gonna um, say, you and Amanda must have like 80. Yeah, I have like 80. I don't even know what they could be. I mean, probably about being like, you know, like <laughs> a crazy Instagram stalker. <laughs> oh, both of you are or just I you? I mean, everyone just kind of knows that I've got like, I can find anyone at any time, okay? Um, which is weird because, yeah, I thought my dad passed away seven years ago, but apparently you found him recently living in Oklahoma. I know where he is, Oklahoma. just send me a little, little, a few facts and I'll, I'll I got get it. to work. Um, question three, I'm particularly excited about because I uh, have an intimate familiarity with the uh, answer to this question. Okay. Number three, can you do an impression of either of your parents? Joshua, it's so great to see you. When are you going to come to New York? Oh, I miss your parents so much. <laughs> Listeners, I had, uh, where were we go? Swingers, I think? We went to Swingers. We went to Swingers with, with your parents. Delightful. Oh, I had they're the best delightful. conversation and with them. Also, that's like a very intense. My mom is from Brooklyn. She is also like major, she's a huge linguistics person and she would be like, I don't talk like that. But you know, when it's a 
chill hang. Oh, uh, my Lord. <laughs> she she kind of dives back into it. Ladies and gentlemen, the billboard for this, Adrian's mom is a chill hang. Um, <laughs> she is. She's awesome. Question four, I'm particularly interested in this for you as someone who I consider uber successful. Have you ever had imposter syndrome? And if so, is there a particular moment that stands oh, out for you? I live in imposter syndrome. Oh my, as someone as successful as you, you live in it. That's yes, insane I mean, to me. I always think about how, especially with the work that I do, I'm living the dream, okay? Sure. And sometimes it's hard to believe that I get to do these things. Mm. And I just, I mean, even when we all start a job, think about when you're like, if you've been away for two weeks and you go in, you're like, do I even know how to do my job? I do you not. Know? Right, like, and then you go back in and you're like, oh, I got this. I always think that like, I don't deserve to be here. I don't, you know, I, I'm lucking out, okay? And yes, my therapist would say, no, you created your own luck, but it's hard to believe sometimes. It is, I feel like when you have something really good happening in your life, it's hard to have imposter syndrome, especially when, you know, my main title is producer, but I've also got these cakes and I also do all this other stuff. So when someone calls me a producer, I'm like, wait, no, I'm like this like anxious homebody that is making cakes. You know, like I, I, it's hard to say that I'm one thing or another because no one sees what's behind it. But I think, why me? Why me? But at some point I have to decide, well, it is me. Yeah. (laughs) So I've got to say, there are so many executives in this business where you're like, where the hell did you come from? Like, so we have to, you know, you, I have to remind myself I'm smart, I'm capable, but you know, it's very hard not to, especially when you do a really cool job like this, not to go like, how did I get here? Like what, you know, star did I land on that someone was like, oh, she can come. (laughs) So it's hard. You almost have to be like, I don't deserve this because there were so many other people that wanted to, but eventually we all got to have our turn. That's, and when is it mine? Um, um, it, it's now, I'm honey. Kidding. Actually, oh. open up that door on the right. Hey. <laughs> it's, uh, then I just heard bump, bump, <laughs> Um Okay, uh, last question. What is your favorite tea? And if not tea, what is your favorite comfort? I love a chai. Ooh. I love a chai with some milk. Oh, I should have given, should have made you a chai. I didn't make you a chai. I almost requested chai, but then I was like, I, Josh, knows what he's doing. I got you the carrot cake because you're a baker. Yes. And that was an incredible experience that I wouldn't have had it if I had requested chai. Mm. So, and then, I mean, I love a heated blanket. (laughs) So a chai and a heated blanket. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are interested after this podcast in going on a date with Adrian Finkel, (laughs) the big pieces I can give you that I want you to remember, a chai tea with a little bit of milk. Do you have a milk choice? I'm a whole milk girl. She's a whole milk girl. A chai <laughs> with a little bit of whole milk and uh, and a heated blanket. Yeah. Um, Adrian, thank you so much for being on Steve Thanks for having me. This was a delight. That was Adrian Fink. You can follow Adrian on Instagram at ADE Fink. Steve Conversations is produced and edited by Lucas Marshka. Our theme song and additional music are by Oliver Hymack. Our cover art was done by Neil Fraser with photography by Matt Mazisco. Social media by Dia Villegas. Please write a review and rate our podcast on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you can. You can send any questions, comments, newly friend game suggestions, or tea suggestions to steepcombos at gmail.com or tweet us at steepcombos. I'm Josh Lanzette, and you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook at Josh Lanzette. We'll be back next week. So until then, happy steeping.